Hi everyone, welcome to episode 14 of the Fit Together podcast. My name is Stu. And I'm Raquel, and we're your hosts. We have a great discussion in store today. Woo! You sound excited. What are we talking about? We're going to be talking about how you came to be the professional bodybuilding teacher that you are today. It's going to be good. I'm hoping that I get to learn something new about you during this podcast. I'm going to be sure to come with all the good questions so that our listeners will get to know you more. And I'm going to really try to get to the bottom of it. Like, how did the man sitting next to me on the couch get to be an elementary school physical education teacher? And as if managing a bunch of little monsters wasn't enough, he's a professional bodybuilder. This doesn't just happen overnight, so I'd like to take this time to figure out how this came to be. Okay, sounds good. This episode, we'll discuss my background, fitness, and career, but don't forget, I'll have my turn in a following episode to ask you the questions. Yep, that's right. I'll be ready. I do agree that this will be fun. Discussing more about ourselves will be a good chance for our listeners to get to know us more. Yes, but before we get started, let's check in. The world has been a weird place lately. Corona has literally been taking over. Yes. That is definitely true. We're both working from home now. Restaurants are closed, except for takeout, and gyms are closed. That happened on Monday. I was not happy when the gyms closed. As the listeners know by now, I like routine, so this totally messes with my routine. I find it frustrating to not be able to lift. I also think this whole situation is really going to define and test my mental fortitude. It is a lot to take in. I really feel bad about the dynamic impact of individuals and families and businesses. It's causing a lot of fear and stress. People's livelihoods are at risk during this time. Yeah, I mean, I've been praying for people that like are close to me that I know have been directly impacted. That's nice of you. I didn't know you had been doing that. that's natural for me it's kind of one of my responses is just like trying to send positive vibes this week for me has been challenging I've been trying to figure out a routine and then when the gyms closed on Monday that just sent a whole new I don't even know what to say just a whole new curve I wasn't ready for that it hit you pretty hard. Yeah. The gym, I mean, the gym's a big part of my life. Going to the gym and working out, lifting, doing the cardio. It's something I really find enjoyable. It's a stress reliever. We were at the gym when we found out that yeah, on, the gyms we, were closing. It showed up on the On screen. the TV, yeah. The headline, Governor DeWine mandates all gyms close. I was just like, oh my God, are you serious? There are other people at the gym that seem to feel similarly. Yeah, I have, I have, uh, you know, you go to the gym the same time all the time, so you make friends. There was one of the guys I've become friends with, and he took it real hard. Him and I have actually been texting back and forth. He's, he's struggling, trying to figure out a new norm. And that this week has been a curve. I think, I think I've been handling it pretty well. I've been trying to do different things. I've been doing cardio every morning. Usually I only do it like three days a week. I've been doing cardio every morning. I've been just trying to be resourceful and 
come up with new ways to work out. What about you? I've been working from home, which I already worked from home pretty often before this happened. (laughs) I didn't even talk about working. I just talked about how the gym and stuff was... Closed. Yeah, all you're thinking about yeah. is the gym clothes. I've been working not from even, home too. That's right. Not even working from home in your office hours. That's right. <laughs> Who cares about that? I can't go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'll say something. So I have office hours right now, 9 a.m. to noon every day. Basically, I have to be by my computer with my email open. If a student emails me, if a parent emails me with any questions or if they need help with anything, I have to respond and I have to be there to answer their questions. Today, I actually set up what's called Google Classroom. So I have Google Classroom and it was actually really cool. Like the seriously already like on it. Like seven or eight kids already reached out and let me know how they're exercising and just saying hi. So that was cool. It's amazing how hip to technology kids are. Really? Yeah. I mean the kids are Tell them the funny thing the kids said. <laughs> oh yeah. One of the one of the students said I can't remember exactly, but basically one of the kids said, wait, Mr. Dapper has a Google Classroom? I didn't know that. Is this a dream? And then one of the other (laughs) students responded, no, it's not a dream. He really has a Google Classroom. (laughs) So that was funny. That was cool to see. like little kids. That's so cool. What grade is that? Uh, those, Those students were fourth graders that said that. Okay. That's so funny. For me, I've been working from home. As I said, I'm kind of used to that, so it's been fine. Just a little bit of a learning curve doing it as a team, being able to communicate. Yeah, you've had a lot of meetings. Lots of meetings, which is which is fine for norming and storming and trying to figure out what works for us. I really like my teammates, so that's been nice. And then checking in on my friends that are in California seeing you know how are they doing especially because a lot of the movement for coronavirus as far as shelter in place had been happening Stu and I had a FaceTime date with (laughs) double date with some of my friends our friends there so that was really cool just to touch base see how they're doing Um, they're doing well so that was it was just nice Um, I talked to my grandma who's located in St. Croix if you guys remember our trip to St. Croix for Christmas and, you know, getting to talk to her, you know, it's a stressful time. It's kind of nerve wracking. What's going on? But that was nice. Cool. This week has been our first week trying to establish a new norm. I think it's been good so far. I was pleasantly surprised by the workouts that we've done so far and I mean, we don't have any access to a gym, and I think we've put together some pretty good workouts. And we're planning on trying to bring together what we learn and share in another podcast episode. We've been utilizing outdoor parks, and that's awesome for me, honestly. I love being outside, so utilizing the parks to work out and be outside at once, that's actually pretty cool. We've also used resistance bands. I'm pretty particular with my workouts. I like them a certain way, but so far... I've been pretty impressed by our resourcefulness. Yeah, me too. It's been good. I've been particularly happy that you've been happy because when you found out the gym closed, I was like, oh my God, I got to deal with this one. But I think that I think that partly goes to go with the book I'm reading. I'm reading a book called How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. 
And in that book, they talk a lot about, the author particularly, talks a lot about how you make the best of your situation. And I mean, that's that's the thing. I literally, I don't have access to a gym, so I can't sit here and say, oh, you know, how can I get to a gym? I don't have access to a gym. That's the bottom line. <laughs> so it's just, I got to move on from it. And I think I've been taking some of the strategies from that book and trying to implement them. That's amazing. I'm glad you're reading that book. I'm supposed to be reading that book with you too. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving I, you behind. I haven't started, but I've been positive. I'm fine. So good. I'm glad you read that book. I'll read it to you eventually, but I I think yeah, I was we're supposed pretty... To, you're right. We're supposed to be reading it together. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's benefiting you right now because it's I'm benefiting taking, me I'm too. I'm taking notes. <laughs> I'm taking notes. So when you do start reading it, I can just go back and look at the notes. You did say that. That's great. I think for me, I'm very happy that you've you didn't have a choice really unless you just decided to just gravel in your anger but you you've decided to like be positive which i appreciate so that's been good because i was so like oh my god at the gym when you first found out i was was pissed i was like lord have mercy this is about to be a whole thing well the thing about that is we talked about it i said i was like raquel I have a feeling they're going to close the gyms. I yeah. really hope they don't, but I have a feeling they're going to, and sure enough, it happened. He kept saying it over and over. I'm like, okay, stop saying it. <laughs> and then it happens. In our next couple episodes, we're planning on bringing together what we're doing during this to make the best of our time and achieve our goals. I think that will be a good podcast. I think our listeners are interested in ideas on how to continue living, create a schedule, and stay productive during this time. Yeah, I think it's a good idea too. Um, We'll bring together those ideas because people don't need extra stress. Any way that we can help to uplift others, I'm for it. Okay, let's shout out our listeners. I want to shout out people who have gotten creative with their workouts this week. I bet you do. (laughs) Shout out to our listeners that called to check in on their family and friends this week. Shout out to our listeners that didn't go crazy over toilet paper this week. I don't understand this, honestly. It's <laughs> coronavirus doesn't even cause diarrhea. And people are freaking out buying toilet paper. I, I don't get that at all. I'm sorry. I don't. All right. Big ups to the folks who are keeping a positive attitude. It's so easy to feel cabin fever and let clouds take over. But don't. Keep your head up. Kudos for being positive. Shout out to our listeners who like to do Sudoku puzzles. Raquel and I have been spending a lot of time together, and one of the things <laughs> we've been doing has been Sudoku, puzzler, Sudoku puzzles, and they've been a lot of fun. Yes, they have. All right, shout out to our listeners who are prepping for bodybuilding competitions. Unfortunately, I heard that some of the April competitions have been canceled, but I have faith that it'll all work out. Hang in there, competitors. I know it takes a ton of diligence and hard work to prepare, but we wish you all the best. Shout out to people that have been trying to get outside when they can and get that fresh air and move their bodies, get the blood pumping. That's a good one. Thank you, listeners. You all are awesome, all 11 of you. (laughs) Please continue to listen, and if you want to contact us, please reach out to us on our Instagram at the Fit Together Podcast. Okay, now it's a time that we've been waiting for. How did Stu turn into Mr. Dapper? (laughs) That's funny, because I I joke about how when I'm at school, I'm Mr. Dapper, and then when I leave school, I'm Stu. 
But I mean, yeah, it's okay. Let's do it. I like to start with a round of five fast fire questions, and then I'll ask you more specific questions about your fitness journey and career. Sounds good. All right. First question: What's your dream car? Uh, Bugatti Veyron. <laughs> Second question: Are you usually early or late? If I answered this question five years ago, I would have said late. Now I'll say early. <laughs> okay. I, I agree with that. Number three. What skill would you like to master? Being able to read people. Oh, okay. Number four. What's your favorite genre of book? Uh, I know it's Fast Fire, but that's a tough one. Genre? Um, I would say... Man, I would say books like like dystopia books, I guess, or like books about like things that bring up things about the world. I like I I recently read for uh, Fahrenheit 451. I would say books like Fahrenheit 451. I have no clue what dystopia is. What's that? I'm sure uh, other people don't know. A uh, dystopia is dystopia. Yeah, okay. so a utopia is like a you know like the perfect world. Okay. A dystopia is you know things that are going wrong and oh, so like like okay. 1984 the book 1984 it talks about like big brother and like oh. how people are being controlled uh things like that you know i'm into that <laughs> <laughs> okay number five last one what's one thing or what one thing do you really want but can't afford yet i would say a house overlooking the beach on california okay nice that was quick and easy. Now let's get more pointed. First, I want to learn about how you became a teacher. Okay. How many years have you been teaching, Stu? Uh, this is my eighth year of teaching. Okay. If we like zoom back, back in the day when you were young, what did you want to be when you were a kid? An NBA basketball player. Really? Yep. Oh. You didn't know that? I feel like I knew you liked basketball. I didn't know that you uh, wanted to be an NBA basketball yeah, player. Yeah, like I really, like I, I mean, I really thought I was going to be. <laughs> How did you decide that? I loved basketball. What age did you decide that that's what you wanted to be when you? Grew I up? remember. So in fifth grade, I just thought of this. In fifth grade, we had to write a book about like what did you want to be when you grew up, and then you also had to write what your classmates were going to be when they grew up. And I wrote I was going to be an NBA basketball player. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. And then when did when did that like change or fade or when I got older and realized I was five ten and not growing anymore <laughs> and it probably wasn't gonna happen. Okay. Who is your role model? That's a good question. I don't know if I could pick one. I think there's a couple of different people in my life that have really led to me being who I am today. I don't know if I could pick one. Are you going to share any? <laughs> um, I would say my my uh, government teacher in high school, he really showed me how to speak up for myself. I remember one day after class, he asked me to stay behind, and he said, you know, hey, Stu, I think you have a lot of good ideas I would like you to speak up more. And I just, I was like, oh, okay. And then he also said, he's like, I think, I think you're wasting your brain. <laughs> he was like, you're in college prep. 
this was a government class. He said, you're in college prep government. You should be in AP. He said, the kids in AP don't even talk about the stuff you talk about. And I just, I think you have a wealth of knowledge and I think you have some good ideas. You should speak up more. And really, I remember ever since that day, I just, I've kind of spoken up for myself more about things I believe in. So I would say he was definitely a role model. That's really cool. Did you have him in any other classes or how no, you, that was, that was, that was the first. only class I had him. Wow. Have you kept in touch or did you? We kept in touch a little bit the first couple of years of college. Okay. I would email him. He emailed me, but we haven't talked or texted or emailed anything like that in quite a while. That's pretty cool. I would say another role model was the guy that got me really starting to work out seriously. He was a trainer at the Y during the summer. He would see me in there all the time. He was a couple years older than me, so it was like my summer before my senior year of high school. He was in college, home on break, doing his personal training job at the gym at the Y. And he saw me all the time, and he kind of took me under his wing, and he was like, hey, I see you in here all the time. Let me help you out. And he really showed me the proper way to start working out and lifting, and that's really when it really sparked is when I started lifting with him, and he just kind of sparked that fire, and it just took off from there. So I would say he was definitely a role model. And him and I, same thing. We stay in touch every once in a while. I'll message him on Facebook every once in a while, but it's it's been a while. What made you go into the YMCA so consistently? So he saw you there, and then he decided to take you under, under his wing. But mm-hmm. what caused you to be there in the first place consistently? I'm just, I've always liked exercising. I've always liked doing some form of movement. I was playing basketball all the time at the Y. I'd be at the Y playing basketball, like not exaggerating, three hours. I'd be there two and a half, three hours a day playing basketball. When I stopped playing basketball, I just kind of migrated into the weight room. <laughs> cool. Can you tell us about how you decided to go to college? I didn't want to go to college. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> my my mom and dad basically said, you have to go to college. More so my mom, even. My mom wanted to be an art teacher, and she didn't go to college, so she wasn't able to be an art teacher. And she said, you know, I want you to go to college I want you to have a college degree. And I said, I was like, Mom, I don't really want to. I, I I wanted to be a personal trainer. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go the route and be a personal trainer. And she's like, okay, you can do that. You're still going to go to college first. She said, I think once you're older, it's going to be harder for you to be a personal trainer. So I want you to have a degree. I want you to have college education. I think that's really important. And yeah, so... I applied to a couple of different colleges and did my essays and things like that and picked Ohio University. Cool. So then once you got into college, what happened from there? I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do. I like I said I didn't even want to go to college and they said, "Well, you have to go." And now, I, you know, I got accepted, so now I'm going. I'm like, "Okay, what what am I going to do?" And around the same time, I started being a fitness counselor at the YMCA. One of the jobs that I had to do as a fitness counselor was give orientations to kids. Parents would sign their kids up. The kids would come in, and I would give them orientations, basically just showing them how to use all the stuff, 
the treadmills, ellipticals, rowing machine, mm-hmm. the weight machines, no dumbbells or anything like that. But I would show them how to use everything. And then after that, I had to give them like a little quiz and they would show me that they know how to use everything. If they passed, they would get this little certification saying that they are able to work out. They still had to be with their parents, but the certification allowed them to work out with their parents. And I remember this one, I'll probably never forget this. This one day I was training this girl. I think she was 11. She was like 11 or 12. And we got to the treadmill, and one of the things you have to do on the treadmill is enter your weight in order to like set up the per- the program. And I always would say, you know, I'll look away. Here's how you enter your weight. Here's how you do it. And then I would kind of look away. Mm-hmm. That's a you know that's a sensitive topic. And she was she was a a bigger kid, so I thought, okay, you know, she probably is sensitive to this. So I showed her how, and then I said, okay, I'll look away. Well, I kind of you know I I was looking away, but I kind of glanced over to see. And I saw her enter 200 pounds. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Like, it just hit me. I was like, this girl is 11, 12 years old, and she's 200 pounds. And I just remember thinking, like, this is crazy. Like, what can I do to help? And that's literally probably when it happened right there. As I was like, well, I'm going to college. I don't know (laughs) what I want to do. I know I want to do personal training. I enjoy training these kids. I've always liked helping kids. I've always enjoyed being around kids. I have nephews. I've always enjoyed it. So I was like, you know what? Let's combine those two things. Let's combine my passion for fitness and my passion for helping people, specifically kids. And I'm going to go to school for physical education and be a teacher. I think a little bit of that also played into my older sister. Laura is a teacher. So I think that probably played into a little bit too, thinking about it. It makes sense. But yeah, that one moment in particular is when I probably made my decision is when I was training that girl. It was a pivotal moment. Yeah, Before that, were you, you, did you have any kind of major? Did you declare any major? No, no. So. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was, I knew I was going and that was about it. So once you decided, like how did, how did your family like feel I mean, Laura was obviously really excited. Laura was like, oh, yeah, you'll be a great teacher. Like, that's great. And then, obviously, she was a teacher, so she was happy about that. Yeah. And then my parents, they were just happy I was going to college. My mom especially. My dad, you know, he was happy too. But they they were just happy I was going. Sweet. So fast forward, you graduate from college. Um, and then now you start out teaching. What was it like starting out? My first job... As a teacher, I didn't even start at the beginning of the school year, actually. Huh. Why was that? (laughs) Strangely enough, a guy at the gym, at the Y, basically reached out and he was like, Hey, Stu, he was like an educational consultant and Mm -hmm. he worked with schools. And one of the schools, the PE teacher had, I don't know if they they quit, if they fired, I don't remember what happened, but one of the schools he was working with the PE teacher was gone. They needed a new PE teacher. And this was in like, this was in like January. Mm-hmm. And he knew I was a PE major. He like, you know, we were, like I said, you get to know people at the gym. And he knew I was, I was substitute teaching at the time. And he knew I was looking for a full-time PE job. And he said, here's the email for the principal. Reach out, tell them that 
you know me, you know, drop my name as a reference. So I did. I emailed the principal. He emailed me back, set up an interview. I interviewed, got the job. And yeah, the first, I think, I think I started like the end of January. Okay. That It was tough because one, anytime you start a new job, you want to start off on the right foot, you know? And it's like, I didn't start off on the wrong foot, but like the school year was halfway over already. And here I am coming in halfway through the school year, trying to like learn the ropes and there's already half of the school year gone. And then I also worked with another PE teacher. So there was another PE teacher, it was him and I, and it was, I enjoyed working with him actually. He was a, another OU grad. So right away we had something in common. We had things to talk about. Oh, do you remember this at OU or do you remember this? That's nice. So him and I got along really well actually. It was really fun teaching with him. But the kids were rough. It was a, it was a uh, rough school. I remember like my first week, I asked a student to do something, and she literally ran away. She looked at me, laughed, and ran away. Oh! And I was just like, I just kind of stood there. And I was like, Wait, what? <laughs> what just happened? And I went over to the other PE teacher, and I, I was like, Dude, I just like asked her to do something, and she laughed and ran away. He was like, Oh yeah, yeah. He's like, welcome. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, okay. So yeah, that first year was rough. Well, not only did I start halfway through the year, but then also I started at a, it was a, it was a rough school. What did you learn from that first year or I learned first a lot. That, that first, that first how half did, year. How did it differ from what yeah, you learned so in that, college? That, they, that's the thing. They don't, they don't really teach you in college what to do when that type of stuff happens. You know, they teach you the skills. They teach you proximity factor. Proximity factors, like if a student's misbehaving, kind of go over, hang out close to them. Usually they shape up. Usually they stop doing what they're doing because you're close. Those kids in that school just look at you like, <laughs> I don't care you're close to me. Whatever. Keep, keep Okay, I'm going to keep doing it. Behavior management. Any teachers out there listening, teachers know how important behavior management is. And they, they touch on that a little bit in college, but they don't really get into like the nitty-gritty nitty of it. That that first teaching experience definitely taught me a lot about behavior management. It also taught me a lot, though. You just have to get to know the kids. The first, like I said, her half year, however you want to say it, the first, that first half year of teaching was tough. The next year, it got better, and it progressively got better. And I really think it's because I got to know the kids. I started to establish rapport with them. They started to see, like, oh, okay, Mr. Dapp is actually not that bad. By the time, so I, by the time I left that school, it was actually running relatively smoothly. Nice, nice. You switched schools during your teaching career. Can you tell the listeners about that? Yeah, I switched. I've switched twice actually. So that first school that I just told you about, I was there for the half year, and then I was there for two more years, and then I started the school year, and another opportunity presented itself. And I actually, I took that position and that was tough. That was tough because like I said, I had come to actually really like that school and I had established a lot of good rapport with the kids. I had established a good routine and I had really kind of turned the program around and it was way different than when I first got there. So the decision to leave was not one that I took lightly. I remember the day I told all the kids I was leaving. That was a tough day. Why did you decide to leave? Uh, it was, a, I thought, a better opportunity. It was The first school was a charter school, 
the school that I decided to go to was a public school. Okay. Better pay, better benefits, better hours. Okay. Uh, also, I would have been the only PE teacher. I oh, was yeah. I was teaching with another PE teacher at the other school, but it wasn't the one that I the teacher that I started with. I said that he went to OU. It wasn't him and I anymore. It was myself and someone else. I just I wanted to be on my own. I wanted to have my own program. Makes sense. So I decided to do that. What was it like? I was even more rough than <laughs> the first school. I remember it. I, I, yeah, and I remember I was like, man, like I left that other school. I had had it. I like I had it set. You know, like the kids knew the routines. They knew the procedures. I got along with a lot of them now. I wasn't. I'm not saying I got along with all of them, but I had I had a good thing going. And I remember I went to that other school, and it was even more rough than the school where that I had just come from and now I was on my own like the other time I had that other guy to talk to and be like dude what is going on and he'd be like yeah I don't know man now it was just me that that year at that school was rough I don't even know how to say it it was rough I I remember thinking like do I even want to teach anymore it was that bad I I remember thinking like what am I doing oh my goodness what were the differences why was it so rough the kids just did not like did not listen at all they would they would literally just run around the gym screaming calling each other names they'd call each other bitch they'd say i'm i'm gonna f you up like just pushing each other like literally fighting and i'm just like i yeah it was rough i'd call parents and unfortunately the phone numbers would be disconnected oh no it was just it was not a good not a good situation did it ever turn up better or no uh, <laughs> I was only there that one year okay and I remember over the summer I got a text from a teacher friend that said hey the school where I'm teaching has an opening for a PE teacher and I was like okay send me the information <laughs> and this happened over the summer because I, I remember thinking like gosh am I gonna go back to that place like I, I was dreading it I was did we meet around this time uh we met like before you we met or? right around the time when I switched schools the first okay, time okay yeah because I do remember this and I was like I think since I was just meeting you it was kind of like what the hell is going on here yeah <laughs> so over the summer I interviewed and I got the position at the school where I am now and this is my fifth year at that school <laughs> and I love it I absolutely love it when I, when I say that I'm not exaggerating I love my job now I get up and I'm excited to go into work now and it's just it's totally different but i'm very appreciative what's your favorite part about being a physical education teacher i would say seeing the kids enthusiasm when they run in the gym they're just so excited to be there and days like let's say there's a holiday on a monday and we have school on tuesday the kids come in like mr dapper i missed pe i'm so mad and just hearing that because that lets me know my passion is being passed on to them like they miss it they they're not like oh today was monday i don't have pe like they're genuinely like man like i didn't have pe and then they tell me they're like i missed it so that lets me know that my passion is being passed on to them and i'm very thankful for that that does resonate because if if i got to like miss monday and monday was like physics i'd be happy (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> I probably wouldn't want to miss music or just gym, like, you know, being able to yeah. be active. So And yeah. then also the kids are starting to say, like, Mr. Dapper, guess what I ate this weekend? Because I always end class 
and I like you know always literally always I end class with remember everybody don't just sit on the couch and eat cookies and cake and junk food and play video games and watch TV all weekend I tell them to go outside exercise move your body and eat healthy food and then before we leave they always have to tell me at least five healthy foods that they could eat over the weekend and I have kids coming up to me like, Mr. Dapper, guess what I ate this weekend? Like, I had some broccoli this weekend. Or <laughs> Mr. Dapper, like, I ate, I ate some chicken this weekend. So, like, they're coming up to me and talking to me about that, which is really important. That's the whole reason I got into this. I want the kids to understand how important it is to eat healthy and exercise. Eat this, not that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a post. She said that because I have a poster up in the gym. The one side looks like a stop sign, and it says not this and it has a whole bunch of like junk food wrappers and oreos and twinkies like that kind of stuff on the poster and then i have a green poster that says eat this with healthy food things like you know obviously you can't put a an apple up on the wall it's gonna rot but like if somebody brings in like you know how like sometimes salad comes in a bag they'll like cut out the bag and i have a salad bag taped up on the wall i have like a yogurt the top you know how you peel off the top of a yogurt i put i have like a yogurt container top up on the wall yeah nice how would others describe your teaching style my teaching style i would say is authoritative the kids know exactly what they're supposed to do they know i'm going to hold them to a high standard and at the same time, they know I really care about them. They know if they do something right, I'm going to call them out. And they also know if I see them doing something wrong, I'm going to call them out on that. I'm I'm fair, though. I'm, I'm always looking for kids doing the right thing. I try to focus on the positive. I try to focus on kids that are going above and beyond. So I would say authoritative. They know that I'm going to call them out if they're not doing something right. But then they also know I'm going to praise them and give them positive feedback when they're doing something they're supposed to be doing. I can recall that one of your assessments, the assessment or evaluation, I know you get on me. What is it called? Evaluations from the assistant principal. Yeah, that's an evaluation. Evaluation. Okay, so anyways, one of your evaluations, your assistant principal was kind of doubting that you'd be able to get the little kindergartners oh, yeah. to do what you told them to do. Yeah. But Stu is so good at just, like, making these kids, like, really understand every single activity that's supposed to do. It's kind of, like, in, like ingrained that's right. in them. Yeah, the, that, the assistant like, principal. She was they like, still did it, and she was like, what the heck? Like, how did you get them to do, yeah, <laughs> to do that's that? Right. Yep. That's right. Yeah, and so I exactly. could definitely I could definitely see the authoritative authoritative leadership or teaching style there in that they really know what they need to be doing yeah. at all times. <laughs> What's your proudest moment as a teacher? I would say when I won the Teacher of the Year Award. Every year the PTA puts together a list of candidates that they think are deserving of the Teacher of the Year, and I won that. And I would say that, yeah, that by far has been my proudest teaching moment. I was in California when you got that, when I sent positive vibes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give new teachers? Be patient. That's a key. If you think everything's going to go right, right away, you're going to be in for a long, rough year. And then also, 
be strict because it's way easier to loosen up. So if you start really, really strict, the kids might think at first, like, wow, this teacher's mean. Like, you know, they're always yelling at me. And I'm I'm not saying yell, but, like, the kids are going to be like, they're always, like, trying to make sure I'm doing what's right. If you start strict, you can loosen up. If you start trying to be, like, the cool, nice teacher and you lose control and then you try to pull it back, it's never going to come back. So start strict and loosen up. Nice. So we talked about a lot of teacher things. Yeah. What are your other career interests? Mm, Quite a few. I would say politics. I I would like to get into politics. I've thought about that a lot. A professor. I think at one point it'd be cool to go back and earn my my master's, my PhD. And I mean, just think about if I was if I earned my PhD, just the name Doctor Dapper. That's pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, professor, I would say, uh, social justice, something to do with social justice. I don't know exactly what that would be, but something around social justice. An inspirational speaker. I think I've had a lot of different life experiences and I think I've come a long way from where I have been in the past. So I think using those experience to motivate and inspire people, I think that would be really cool. And then also, I would say clean energy, renewable energy. I really think that's a thing of the future, and I think that's something we need to move towards. And I, I, would, I would be really excited about trying to think of ways to do that and somehow work in that industry. I asked that question on purpose because I knew that you had quite a few other areas outside of teaching that you're interested in. And that's one of the things that I really like about you. And I think it's a similarity between the two of us is we have like a lot of things that we want to do. And so I think it's really cool for listeners to hear that, you know, you're a teacher, you're a bodybuilder, and then there's more things that you want to achieve and, and do and learn about and make an impact in. So that's awesome. Cool. That's all the questions I have. Do you have any more insider info to share about your career? Not that I can think of. Those were good questions. I think that covered it. It was nice to hear you talk about these things. I've heard most of them before, but the listeners got a chance to learn more about what you do during the day. Next, I want to learn about your fitness journey, how you became a professional bodybuilder. It didn't happen overnight, right? It definitely didn't happen overnight. I've been lifting, working out, whatever you want to say, for quite a while. Like I said, one of the role models that I had was a guy that helped me start lifting, and that was back the summer before my senior year of high school. It's crazy to think about, but it's been a while. So yeah, if you had to pick an age, what age would you say you developed an interest in health and fitness? When did it all start? I would say 17. What were your influences? Why did that become important to you? You kind of talked about it earlier. Yeah. I, like I said, I would play basketball like two and a half, three hours a night. And then I just I stopped playing basketball. I moved away from that. I still wanted to be healthy. I still wanted to do things. So I just kind of migrated from the gym to the weight room. Okay. And I just got hooked. Once I started seeing results and once I started like 
feeling my body get stronger and seeing the differences it was just like man this is great this is cool what were your initial approaches to the weight room because i know like even now you know we kind of are trying out new things if you think back you know how did you first approach the weight room maybe as a i'll say beginner at 17 to like developing that at first man that's a good question back then what did i do I feel like at first, back then, I just kind of did a little bit of everything. I didn't have an idea. I didn't do, like, chest one day and back one day and arms one day. I would just kind of go in there and just do whatever, just lift. Mm-hmm. Um, if I saw somebody doing something, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to try that. And I'm gonna, I, I would go try it. I'd go do that. And then as I started being in there more and more, people started helping me out, you know, like older, older guys that – you know, like like I said, like the guy that was in college, he'd see me in there. And then also just the regulars, they'd be like, oh, okay, I, I'm seeing this kid in here all the time. Let's let's give him some advice. And I just kind of stumbled and fumbled my way through. Okay, before college, what would you say were some of the things that you learned early on? Can you pinpoint any of those lessons? So it kind of sounded like one would be at first you weren't really planning your workouts. Then yeah. you started kind of figuring out like how to maybe plan them or how would you say so yeah before college i probably came across arnold's encyclopedia of bodybuilding yes yeah yeah and i i think i i just followed his guidelines pretty much so then i did start doing like chest and back one day i started doing legs one day shoulders and arms one day and then i would just repeat that any other lessons early on Not that I can think of. I was just, like I said, I was just trying new things. Just, I, I just thought it was so cool. Like, oh, man, like, I'm putting on muscle. I'm getting bigger. People are saying, like, whoa, Stu, like, you're getting bigger. It was just cool. Was, what about nutrition? What were your early n- on? Nothing like what it is now. <laughs> I would just eat a lot. I, was, I remember I would just try to eat a lot. What would you it. eat? <laughs> I remember after after the gym, I would go home and I would make, like, a, a milkshake. Literally a milkshake. I would put, like two cups of skim milk ice cream protein powder and raw eggs and i would just blend all that up and drink it <laughs> so i was just trying to eat a lot that's what it was just eat a lot eat a lot who were your first workout buddies uh one of my first workout buddies is still still like one of my best friends to this day adam adam was like my first workout buddy and like I said, we don't work out as much now just because we're older, life happens, schedules are different, but we still work out together, and he's been my workout buddy ever since. Adam's baby Ethan's dad. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so Adam has a kid, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then in college, there was another buddy. I haven't talked to him in forever, but uh, him and I were real good friends throughout college. His name was Jamin. Jamin and I would train and he he really pushed me kind of to the next level he did a bodybuilding competition in college actually and looking back now that i've done one looking back thinking about being in college and doing one i'm i give him i give him props because that was that was impressive yes now you started going into college how did how did you approach fitness in college like did you have a workout schedule? Oh, you yeah. Kind of talked I, about who you college was great because it's like, you know, you don't go to class that much. So you have a lot of free time. <laughs> you know, it's like you go to class, what, 20 hours a week? So it was way different than high school. 
I college. I would yeah. I went to town in college. What I was, was your schedule? I would do two days in college. I would lift in the morning and then I would lift again at night. What time? What time? Depending on class schedule. Give us a sample. Uh, well, I remember the one time was awesome. My first class was until like eleven a.m. So I'd go in around like nine or ten. Maybe my first class wasn't even until noon. I remember this one quarter; it was awesome. I I didn't have class till a little bit later, so I could go in in the morning and work out for like an hour and a half. I'd lift. So let's say I was doing chest and back. I would do chest or back in the morning, and then whichever one I didn't do in the morning, I would go back at night and do at night, and I would just annihilate it. I would just just do <laughs> just do so much. I remember looking back on it now. I'm just like, man, I did so much. Well, people like, did you have gym buddies that wanted to come for two a days, or were you solo for the second time? Uh, I was usually solo for one of them. Okay. So like Adam and I might do chest at night. He you, he wouldn't usually go with me morning and night, but usually one of those he would go with me. Jamin and I would do one every once in a while. But so like legs, I would do calves in the morning, and then I would go do like you know, upper legs at night, and then I would do shoulders in the morning, arms at night. Yeah, I remember in college, I was doing morning and night. <laughs> <laughs> What's one of your funniest college gym stories? A funny college gym story. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. No wild, crazy times in the gym? <laughs> not that I can think of off the top of my head. Nothing sticks out. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When did you go to your first Arnold Classic sports festival? With Adam. Shout out to Adam. Um, when was that? Sophomore year of college. That was my soph- sophomore year of college. Okay. Nice. How was that? It was really cool. I remember Adam and I were just like, oh my god, these, like, you see those guys in magazines and stuff, but then seeing them in person, they were just huge, like, monstrous, and just seeing that in person, and seeing all the people that, you know, you follow and read about right there in person, it was pretty cool. That's sweet. Yeah. You ha- I, I always remember a picture of you at the, Ar- was that the one at the Arnold? Yeah. Where you, yeah. At, you were doing the muscle pose? Uh-huh. I was like I was a one-arm, like a one-arm flex. Yeah. I was flexing my bicep. Who were you with? Uh, I'm not sure which one you're speak, talking oh. about exactly. Uh, I think if I if it's the one I'm thinking you're thinking of, it's uh, Johnny Jackson. Okay. Black have, dude. Yeah, yeah. Black dude. Yeah, 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 Johnny Jackson. Okay. Cool. Um. Okay. So fast forward. You're teaching for a little bit. Why did you decide to do a bodybuilding competition? I had wanted to do one for a long time. Like I said, I started working out lifting when I was 17. I had always wanted to do one. I always wanted to like take it to the next level. I just never did because I, I knew the amount of commitment it took. I knew you have to, and I also know myself, I knew if I did it, I was going to do everything to a T, weigh everything out, do all the cardio, just do everything to a T. And I wasn't ready for that, to be honest. I enjoyed going out and drinking and relaxing on the weekends. I didn't want to take it to that next level. But at the same time, I did. You know, it's like it was like a push pull. Like on one hand, I didn't really want to take it to the next level. On the other hand, I wanted to try it out. And then I remember you did your first one, and I was like, "What the hell? <laughs> like she's only been working out for like not even a year, and she's gonna do one? I've been working out at this time. It had been like thirteen, twelve, thirteen years, and I still hadn't done one. So I'm like, okay, if she's gonna just jump in and do one, I'm gonna do one. <laughs> 
So <laughs> you were kind of the catalyst that pushed me to actually do one. So how did your first bodybuilding prep go? How did you plan? How did you select a show, pick a coach? Tell us about it. I'll start with the coach. The coach, Jason, my coach, Scooby Prep, I picked him two reasons. One, he actually coached Jamin. So going back to college, Jamin used Jason for his first prep. So I knew about him a little bit because of that. And then you also, you were coached by Jason's wife. Yeah, Stephanie. Yeah. So Stephanie's I was like, awesome. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to Jason. I know a little bit about him already. He has an, he has an op, awesome reputation. So I was like, I know he knows his, his stuff. So I'm going to reach out to him and see if he has spaces open. He had spaces open. I sent him all my information, sent him kind of, you know, what I was doing already and I told him the competition I was looking towards. This was like the middle of June. I told him I was looking to do a competition November. So I sent him all my information, sent him pictures, and he's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "He's like, you're relatively lean. We can we can be ready in time. Let's do it." So that was that. I decided to pull the trigger and go for it. I basically followed what he laid out. I, so I, I gave him like a estimate of the calories I was eating. I told him like the workout plan that I was doing and he was like, okay, like he took that information and from there he put together a plan that I was going to do. And like I said, I didn't really know what all it would entail. Like I, I had heard about macros. I had heard about, you know, dieting down for a competition, but I just, I kind of put my trust in him and I followed the plan, and if I ever had questions, I would reach out and be like, "Hey, like, what about this? Or what? You know, how should I do this?" And I just worked through it. It was my first prep was 15 weeks, and I just went through it little bit by little bit, and you know, just kept following the plan and stuck to it. What was your biggest lesson learned from your first prep? Biggest lesson learned. It's harder than I thought. <laughs> like I always, like I said, I always wanted to do one. I had always heard about how tough they were. There's, a, it's also, there's also a saying that says, "You feel like shit, but you look your best." And I had heard that saying a lot because, like I said, I followed bodybuilding. I never really understood it. I understood it now. <laughs> <laughs> how did your first season go? Uh, I mean, it went it went really well, especially for my first ever competition. Those of you that follow bodybuilding, those of you that don't follow bodybuilding, there's different divisions. There's called for men. There's physique, classic physique, and bodybuilding. I did classic physique, and then there's open, novice, true novice. Open is open to anybody. Novice is open to people that haven't won first place. And then there's true novice. True novice is people who have never competed at all. I entered the open and I entered true novice. In the open, there's different classes, class A, class B, class C. That's based on height and weight for classic. I was open class B. I got first place in open class B. Woo, 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 woo. And then true novice, I won first place like overall true novice. Hey. And then so open... When you win first place in the open, you go to what's called like the pose off, 
So the winner of class A, class B, class C, you all go to a pose off and you see who wins the overall. I lost I lost the overall to one of the other class winners. Cool. And what were your takeaways from the show? I was just on cloud nine. I was like, I did it. I came in first. But more so really than anything, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I did it. I did my first competition. I finally set out to do it, and I did it. I was just really happy. And I remember I had quite a few friends and family members there, and I was just it was just a cool experience. I flew out. You did. I came yep, you from did. California. You did. That was awesome. So why did you decide to compete again? <laughs> I think... I just wanted a challenge. I wanted to push myself. I did it. I didn't want it to just be over. You were in California, so it's not like I could spend time with you. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just keep it going. I'm going to keep working. I'm, I I enjoy I enjoy the discipline. Honestly, I know it sounds weird, but I, I enjoy the discipline. I enjoy pushing myself. So I just decided I'm going to keep this up. I'm going to keep doing it. And I had heard about, you know, like pro cards, people like earning pro cards I started looking into it more, and I was like, I emailed Jason. I was like, "Hey, man, like, I think I want to make the goal to try to earn my pro card in a natural." So there's, you know, there's different divisions, different organizations. I wanted to earn my pro card in a natural organization, and I made that a goal. Yeah. So this time around, first time it was like the hump of doing it, mm-hmm. and then this time around, that's what I was kind of getting at. Is you had like more of a goal. You were pretty intentional about what yeah, you were trying to do. Definitely. With this next prep. So how did prep and competing go in this next season? Like, what changed? Like, you know, did anything change? How did you plan? How did you select? Now you did multiple shows. Um, why did you do multiple shows? <laughs> Traveling. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, so I chose multiple shows, first of all, because I wanted multiple cracks at trying to earn my pro card. Makes sense. Yeah. And then prep, I knew what was coming. The first one, I didn't really have any idea what to expect. This time around, I knew it was going to suck at times. I knew it was going to be tough. I knew what it was going to entail. So that was kind of helpful, honestly. Um, and then the first competition, I got first place, but I didn't earn a pro card because unfortunately it didn't meet the qualifications. Oh yeah. Damn. The, the yeah, next, that one hurt actually. Yeah, now I think the next that. competition was in Chicago. I had heard that it was a good competition. It was a, a bigger competition. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to enter this one because hopefully I'll earn my pro card. It's a bigger competition. It'll meet the requirements. It met the requirements, but unfortunately, I did not place well at all in that one. And I, I was I was pissed. I was upset, mad, however you want to put it. I was not happy about that. I thought I brought a really good physique. I thought I brought a good package to that one, and I thought I should have placed better than I did. Not the, just the pro card aside, I just remember thinking I was pissed that I didn't place higher. For but, people that aren't familiar with bodybuilding, how does that work? How do you think that you did so well and then you not place? Like, how does bodybuilding work? Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's bodybuilding, it's, it's, subjective. it's subjective. You know, it's the judges. They're looking for muscularity, size, proportion, all those things. And I, I remember I came into that show, I was shredded in that competition. And I thought I had, I thought I had good symmetry, good proportions. A lot of the judges said I needed more size. Which was, you know, I, 
it, like I said, it's subjective. Yeah, there's like different camps. Yeah. Fuller muscles, one look, and then the shredded look is another look. Fuller, bigger muscle. I would say I I tend to think of genetics. When you get shredded, you can you definitely know that's hard work. Like mm-hmm. in order for someone to get shredded, regardless if they have genetics, if they get shredded, you know that they put in a lot of hard work. Yeah. So there's different trains of thought on that. You might lean towards genetics because you know just how that looks and the symmetry and then some people if you have the edge of you know being shredded that could be something that is highly valued yeah so i just i that was a tough one i was honestly i was pissed i decided though you know i'm gonna i'm gonna keep pushing and i had another competition coming up in the end of september and then my coach jason scooby prep we talked and he was like hey i think you should try bodybuilding he you know talking about genetics he was like i just i don't know if classic is a good fit for you he said you can work your ass off and you get shredded not a lot of people can do that so i think we should try bodybuilding so for the last competition i decided i was going to do bodybuilding and classic just kept pushing I remember there was those last couple of weeks of that one. It was it was rough. I remember thinking like, "Fuck, <laughs> that was tough." But it paid off. At the last competition, the Kentucky Natural, I earned my pro card in bodybuilding and classic. So I accomplished the goal. More than the goal, and that wasn't even the last competition. <laughs> that was going to be the last competition. That was going to be the last competition. And then I, so like I said, I earned my pro card and I got a letter in the mail saying like, hey, congratulations, you earned your pro card. By doing that, you qualify to compete in the Mr. Universe, the NGA Mr. Universe. Which was another dream of yours. Yeah. I I was like, man, like I've always thought about that. I always thought it'd be cool to compete in the universe. And so I ended up deciding to do that one. (laughs) So what makes you the proudest about your bodybuilding journey sticking with it honestly i've talked to you about this i i honestly like the journey more than the competition the competition is the end result you have to get on stage you have to do the poses you have to do that to show the work but i honestly like the journey more than anything i i enjoy seeing my body change i enjoy pushing myself i enjoy knowing that i'm the one that put put the work in and i made it happen there's a lot to be said about that. The competition is just like, okay, yeah, I have to do it to to show what I've worked for, but I honestly really like the journey. For people that are looking at you like, dang, he's a professional bodybuilder, what do you think it takes for someone to become a professional bodybuilder? It's cliche, but discipline and consistency. <laughs> if you If you work out three or four days a week and... You go out on the weekends and drink and eat whatever you want and then skip a workout in a couple of weeks and then you go back to it and you start working out again. There's no discipline there. There's no consistency. And in bodybuilding, it really is just all about discipline and consistency. It really boils down to that. Are you eating what you're supposed to be eating? Are you training? Are you following what you're supposed to be following? And if you are, you'll see results. It's not going to happen overnight, especially if you're natural. It takes a long time. It takes patience too. And I think that part of the reason I'm a good teacher and a, and I like bodybuilding is I'm a pretty patient person, and 
I will say I'm less patient when it comes to bodybuilding because it's like, man, I'm working my ass off. I'm busting my ass doing everything. Sometimes I'm like, I wish the results would show more. But like I said, I do like the journey. I enjoy the lifestyle. Nice. That's all I have for now. Are there any other aspects of your bodybuilding career that you'd like to share with our listeners? No. You, like Again, you had some good questions. I think people really learned a lot from those questions. All right. That's it for this episode. Yeah. Nothing to really recap for our listeners this episode. No, but since this episode was about you, maybe you can leave the listeners with some final words of wisdom before we part. Okay. You're putting me on the spot a little bit. I have to be wise. I would tell our listeners two things. One, diligently pursue your passion. I already talked about discipline and consistency. Follow those things and go after them with all, you know, everything you got. Just keep pushing. And then two, if you think you want to do something, do it. No regrets. Don't think, oh, I don't know, I might want to do it. I, I, you know, maybe I'll try it. If you decide to do it, do it and give it 100% and go all in. That's good advice. Very wise. We hope that you enjoyed hanging out with us as Stu shared some of his story. Thanks for listening, everybody. And if you want to contact us, reach out on our Instagram at the Fit Together Podcast. Until next time, and remember, fit together. Bye.